My name is Kirsten. I am 27, but I'll be 28 in a month. Uh, I live in Brooklyn, and I'm autistic. Yeah, I will say that social touch, like from another person, is very different from, you know, an inanimate object. And, like, people are very unpredictable. They'll, you know, do that stupid thing where they walk up behind you and poke you in the sides to make you jump. I can't, like, let sensations kind of blend into the background. The scientific community has known for a long time that individuals with autism respond differently to social touch, a brush on the arm, a hug, or a handshake. However, there remains a lot we don't know, including when exactly this difference in touch perception emerges. A deeper understanding of the relationship between autism and touch perception could provide insights into the early developing mind, insights that might one day offer an earlier autism diagnosis. Beginning with you know, the earliest descriptions of autism, you have descriptions of altered touch, in particular um, being hypersensitive to touch and um, in many cases not liking to be touched by other people. Kevin Pelfrey is a neuroscientist at the University of Virginia, where he studies cases of autism and how early interventions can improve outcomes. You're listening to Spectrum Stories, the podcast from Spectrum, the leading source for news and expert opinion on autism research. I'm Caitlin Zwaljay. In this episode, we'll discuss the mechanisms underlying touch perception and learn whether altered touch perception might be an early sign of autism. The most recent um, diagnostic criteria for autism include um, sensory experiences that can be altered in autism. And you know, an example of that is uh, differences in sense of touch. And so now it's becoming more and more accepted that a difference in how you perceive touch can be core to autism. Kirsten Lindsmith describes her experiences with altered touch and all the social complexities and discomforts that come along with it. I don't um, anxiously anticipate a dog touching me the way I do a person. And I think it's because of the context of like a person touching me has tons of social implications. Shaking a hand is so many steps. I hate shaking hands that like not only is like people are someone sweaty, so I'm anticipating like, are they going to feel gross? I don't know. Am I going to have to deal with that? I don't know. And then how many times do you move your hand up and down? How hard do you grab? How hard are they going to grab? Those are all so many variables. I used to shake hands so badly because I would go up and down four times. And you're supposed to do it only two times, according to my friends. So I would go for too long and make the person uncomfortable. And like, there are just so many variables that I can't control. Yeah, in conclusion, shaking hands is terrible. (laughs) Researchers studying altered touch perception typically talk about two different kinds of touch. Discriminative touch, that allows individuals to sense and localize touch in the body, and the kind of emotionally charged touch Kirsten describes, commonly referred to as social touch. Scientists refer to social touch as the C-tactile afferent system, because a specific set of nerves called C-nerve fibers underlie it. One of the things that seems to be pretty common anecdotally is kind of a changed, a change in the experience of um, light touch, which you know, often people find fairly innocuous or or even pleasant. Um, but for some people with autism, light touch can be really aversive. Um, and we don't really understand why that is. Um, but things like, you know, particular 
textures of clothing or, you know, tags in clothing, um, kind of just having sort of a unexpected light touch on the arm. Some of those kinds of things can be really aversive to some people with autism. Um, whereas some people with autism might find kind of deep pressure um, soothing and regulating. Carissa Cassio is an associate professor of psychiatry and behavioral sciences at Vanderbilt University Medical Center in Nashville. She studies the neural basis of sensory processing in children and adults with autism. So to better understand this difference in touch perception in people with autism, it's necessary to understand the biology behind it. There are different classes of nerve fibers that carry information from the skin to the spinal cord in the brain. And each of these carries different information at different rates of speed. We've done a lot of work as a field in sensory neuroscience, understanding um, the sort of what we would refer to as the discriminative touch system. Um, and those signals are carried by really heavily myelinated fibers, which um, conduct information really quickly. And you need them for the um, kind of coordination with your motor system. And they're really important for sort of perceiving fine detail, um, precision touch, that kind of thing. But there's an entirely different class of fibers that are more important for what we think of as effective touch. That is gentle social stroking. These are unmyelinated fibers that conduct signals more slowly. They have a different distribution pattern in the body than the fast conducting nerve fibers and also extend to different parts of the brain. So um, the different experiences of touch are mediated by different pathways to the brain. The transmission of social and emotional information from stimulus onset to perception may take up to a half a second. Thicker myelinated nerve fibers deliver information on the order of a few milliseconds. Although the differences between these types of fibers are significant, they're difficult to isolate experimentally. See, these nerve fibers responsible for discriminative touch and effective touch are crisscrossing throughout the body. So for example, when you rub somebody's arm, you're activating both these nerve fibers in parallel. It's at least very difficult to selectively activate only slow fibers or fast fibers. Håkan Alausen is a professor of clinical neuroscience in Sweden. He studies what makes touch pleasant and unpleasant by looking at the neural basis of touch perception. 25 years ago, Alausen co-discovered the nerve fibers that convey effective touch. However, all that was known at the time was that these nerve fibers communicated information very slowly. Alausen hypothesized that they might be involved in social touch, but he wasn't sure. Nothing about the functional role of these nerve fibers had been written about in the literature at the time. Studying these slow nerve fibers more closely remained elusive, until one day, in 1998, Alausen stumbled upon a description of an unusual person, known as G.L. After developing an autoimmune disorder, she lost all sense of discriminative touch. She couldn't feel pokes or pinpricks on any part of her body below her nose. And she said that when I became ill, I lost all the sensational touch. She said, she, had, she said that she had absolutely no sensational touch. Even though GL reported no touch sensation whatsoever, Alausen and his colleagues decided to test her for themselves. GL was given a forced choice test. In either interval A or interval B, GL received a light stroke on the forearm. She then had to say which interval she believed the stroke had occurred. And despite GL reporting that she felt no sensation whatsoever... And then she was almost 100% correct, so although she said that she 
couldn't feel anything. She was uh, still very good at guessing if something had happened or not. So uh, clearly she felt something that guided her decision, but she couldn't, she didn't call it touch. She said it was a, a, a sensation that she didn't have any word for. It wasn't touch exactly, and it wasn't pain or itch or temperature. It was something else, something she described as pleasant. Olawison's interactions with GL strengthened his hypothesis that the slow C-tactile nerve fibers are separate from the fast fibers that allow us to feel pressure and discriminate where we're being touched. GL and others like her have informed the medical community about the function of C-tactile fibers in that they communicate social and emotional information, and they appear to function differently in people with autism. Touch is the first system to develop prenatally, um, and so you kind of come into the world with a, a quite elaborate sense of touch, and um, presumably including a, a social sense of touch. Kevin Pelfrey's work continues to demystify this elusive touch sensation, as well as figure out how it works in autistic individuals. Most recently, he and his team have identified differences between controls in autistic people in brain activity during the act of social touch. Participants were of school age and older. Most were adolescents. After they climbed inside the MRI machine, a researcher brushed each participant's arm in two ways, a light touch and a fast touch. The imaging allowed researchers to understand where the neural activity was happening to a precise location within the brain. Once the results for the controls and the autistic participants were compared, stark differences emerged. What was new was what we saw in the individuals with autism. And so for them, these two different types of touch didn't really seem to be different in terms of how their social brain was processing the touch. And in fact, it was quiet um, and, and non-active during both types of touch. And in particular, this, this little portion of the insula wasn't signaling the difference between the two types of touch. And that was very, very different from the typically developing individuals. The controls in the experiment exhibited huge differences in neural activity between effective and discriminative touch. In the presence of the social touch, um, you've got an extensive activation all across different areas that we talk about as a social and, and or emotional brain. And then in contrast, when we're doing the the non-C-tactile um, afferent or non-social um, system touch, uh, even though it's very, very similar, that whole social brain isn't active in the typically developing individuals. The more clearly we can define these differences in the neural responses of touch perception, the better future researchers can spot them in the early developing brain. For some, spotting this difference in touch perception is the holy grail of their research. We want to know, could you use this as an early marker to predict um, altered social development long before um, you could observe altered behavior, uh, you know, kind of autistic behavior? Could you use the response of this brain system, you know, even when a very young baby is asleep, um, to indicate whether or not social processing is happening, happening normally? Is this sense of touch as a um, gateway into understanding very early brain development in individuals um, who might go on to develop autism? And could we you know, use it as a biological marker 
both for predicting autism and then ultimately can we use that pattern of development if it's different to understand which treatments would work best for which individuals. However, achieving this goal isn't straightforward. For one, sense of touch, and specifically sense of social touch, vary significantly across individuals. For example, some people will say, some people with autism, well, um, you know, kind of uh, deep pressure touch feels really good. Um, and another person might say, well, that's the scariest thing I've ever heard of. Also, autism is a complicated diagnosis with a constellation of traits unique to each individual. So while it's unlikely that a single early trait, such as altered touch perception, will ever predict an autism diagnosis, it might provide an early clue to social development. I would be delighted if this turns out to be something that can predict um, atypical social development, basically the day the baby is born. This has been an episode of Spectrum Stories, the podcast for Spectrum, the leading source for news and expert opinion on autism research. To read more about explorations into altered touch perception, check out Spectrum's deep dive called How Social Touch Shapes Autism Traits by George Musser, available now at spectrumnews.org. I'm Caitlin Swaljay.